You're listening to The Bob and Bo Show. Here are your hosts, Ty Bob and Ty Bo. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm Ty Bob. We're joined by Ty Bo and Sean. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter, at the show's Twitter, at Bob and Bo Show. Uh, if you're joining us on YouTube, we thank you. Um, to kick us off, man, the Kansas City Chiefs with a big fat dub ooh, ooh, over ooh, Tom Brady, oh. 41-31 in Tampa Bay. As, um, oh gosh, so there was a there was an Instagram Live. I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. But uh, Instagram Live, I believe it was oh. uh, Jalen Watson's and uh, uh, jo- I, Josh I thought Williams. thought it was Josh Williams. Or what, well, did, Josh is he Williams the one who is, said it? he the one who said it? I believe okay. it was Jalen Watson's <clears throat> IG. Willie Sneed was in there. And then uh, Justin, the uh, LJ, yeah, LJ, goodness, I'm all over the place today. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, Josh Williams uh, comes up and says, "Put his old ass in the dirt." And uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, but which LJ speaking, did that night? Yeah, <laughs> he did. He did. I thought they needed a coffin on the sideline. Like Tom got up, dirt all in his all in his face mask. I thought. Uh, I thought he may just be retiring at that exact point in time. But speaking instead of a, a halftime uh, retirement, like it's just like mid third quarter, like fuck it, man. <laughs> hey, we've had halftime cool. retirements in the NFL. It I know, be out of the realm of possibility, be pretty funny. Uh, but speaking of putting uh, old people in the dirt, Sean, I think you've got something for us. I got a bone to pick with you, Ty Bob. Yeah. This man picked against the Chiefs against the Bucks. I did. Oh my God! Yeah, dude, he picked against the Chiefs, and look what happened. Hey, so do I just need to continue picking against the Chiefs every week? Just tank my pick'em record? I'm not going to pick against them. If you want the punishment, I mean, are you a glutton for punishment? <laughs> you want this action? Hey, do I, I mean I may get the punishment, but then like the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl. So, which one do you guys prefer? I'm going to keep picking the Chiefs. So. No matter what. <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong. There's a lot of stuff. We'll get into that. But, but yes, that's a big bone that a lot of people have had to pick with me um, this week. It's interesting, though, that Patrick Mahomes is not out, out here only breaking records. He's also ruining lives. Uh, and that is Tom Brady's <laughs> football career. He is absolutely ruining. But also his family career. Um, uh, to be honest, I don't think it should have been reported. You, we should be leaving. Yeah. We should definitely be yeah. leaving um, personal matters like this alone. But it has been reported, so we're going to say something about it, and then we'll move on. Uh, Giselle and Tom Brady <laughs> have uh, hired a divorce lawyer, so Patrick Mahomes is out here ruining football careers and families. You absolutely love to see it. Kind of. I mean, I, I love to see it because it's Tom Brady, but if it was literally anybody else, I would just Oh, no, like, I mean, I yeah. Sucks you to suck, man. <laughs> you love and hate to see it, but at the same time, like you, he's also brought it upon himself. You're 45, still in the NFL. She's a supermodel and been taking care of your children. And, and a child that's not even hers. Most people probably don't know this. Tom Brady has three kids, only two with Giselle. She's been taking care of all three. Um I think it comes down to just that. You think that's like the total reason? No, 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 no. This is, it's probably the largest. I would easily say it's probably the largest factor. Like she has come out over the, over the last couple of months 
and saying like, we just want you home. So that's, is it a, the largest portion? Most likely. Is it the only reason? Hell no. Hell no. I mean, my marriage of, of 13 years isn't going to go away because of that specifically. We'll jump I mean, over into something. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just, he's, I don't like Tom Brady. So I, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll smirk every time I see something like that. The, <laughs> the memes the of it are like, are, I don't think good. it's cool. Like I, I was like, man, if that I was sucks. in that situation, like they're just, they got a magnifying glass on. You, man. I mean, I would have, if it like, was me, I would have retired like four years ago. Like she asked, but mm. <laughs> Somebody, I, I saw a tweet earlier today. Somebody uh, uh, photoshopped uh, the bio in Tom Brady's Twitter profile. So in his bio, it says football and family. And so they they, <laughs> yeah. they edited it out and whited out the uh, and family portion. It just says football. 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 <laughs> they need to do that for Aaron Rodgers as well. <laughs> and drugs. But with that said, um, there's a lot of cool things going on around uh, the NFL these days, and we're getting more and more leniency from the NFL in the way that players get to appear. This last week or this past week in week four, players and coaching personnel were able to wear stickers of like the their heritage. It was heritage month, so they got to uh, wear stickers of their family's heritage either on their helmets or um, uh, somewhere on their team gear. Uh, they're starting to do uh, more and more cleats. We've obviously got October uh, for that and, and um, with, with the breast cancer awareness and then players also get to pick an organization of their choosing. But uh, teams are now being able to get an alternate helmet and some teams are also coming out with more and more um, uniforms. So I think Tybo's got a top five force on that. Yeah, and uh, you uh, you were docked points in my ranking system if you were able to get an alternate helmet and just said, go black, <laughs> black helmet. So I think that's dumb. Deserved. Uh, my my preference in jerseys is like brighter colors. Like I I don't have any I don't have anybody on here that has like an all black. Um, maybe I mean Cincinnati doesn't have an all black, do they? Anyways. Too. Uh, my my top ten, my top five, um, <laughs> top, top five, five some, <laughs> uh, favorite jerseys. It's just like a, a jersey collective, like the team's whole like jersey arsenal. Um, uh, you won't find jerseys like the Packers and Steelers on here. Some of their weird throwback looking jerseys are ugly. Um, they, you know, if they if they played each other. Um, or maybe the Steelers and the Browns, like if they played each other on a certain day with their like weird throwback looking jerseys, just be like the ugliest football game ever. Typically Thursday nights. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that said, uh, I do have a couple of honorable mentions. Um, I'll start off with the Tennessee Titans, um, mainly because um, one of their throwback uh, Houston Oilers jerseys, the powder blues, that's one of, I mean, that ranks – in the top five everywhere. Um, when I was looking up ranking lists on, you know, best looking jerseys, um, they're cool. Um, I do like a powder blue. Um, there'll be another team on this list that has a powder blue, unfortunately. Um, but those jerseys are dope and they're, they're cool enough to mention. Um, the chiefs are on my honorable mention. 
um, because of their all whites and their all reds. Both of those are dope. Um, but overall, I wish we could have some cooler looking jerseys. But that aside, the players do well wearing those jerseys. So we're good. Not a huge issue. <laughs> Moving into the top five. Number five, as I said, real bright colors. Uh, the Seahawks make my number five. Um, their lime green color rush is, is dope to me, and I know they've had some other cool jersey combinations um, in the past. So that's why they make the list. Number four is Cincinnati. Um, I think um, some like some of their orange and black jerseys already look dope, um, but there's those all whites um, with the white helmet. Those are slick. I like those. Number three, um, input from Ty Bob here. Um, the Buccaneers with their creamsicle jerseys. They are, uh, I mean, they were ranked top two everywhere that I saw. Like, those are, those are highly sought after jerseys, I would say. Um, and if there was somebody cool enough for me to get a jersey, I don't know, like, fuck it, I get a Rondé Barber jersey, you know, and that creamsicle. <laughs> um but those are cool um and i mean their regular jerseys aren't like real ugly so uh the creamsicle is good enough to get them to number three on the list number two um again bright colors um i got the dolphins their jersey arsenal is wide open they have orange jerseys um i really like their all teals um, you can't beat an all white. Um, uh, the Dolphins have a lot to work with as far as their colors and their combinations. So that's why they're number two on my list. Um, and unfortunately, that leads us into number one being the Chargers. Just because, like, Ty Bob, we were talking about before, like, they got like seven different jersey like sets. Like, they, they have so much to choose from. Um, everybody really likes their powder blues. Um, so yeah, they're in the division, but you can't hate on them because, you know, they usually be looking cool, but they don't be playing cool. <laughs> Man likes bright colors, but won't put in the pumpkin brownies. No, they, they like have so colors, many ugly but this jerseys. one doesn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I will say the, the all Browns definitely are one of the reasons why they don't deserve to be up there. That combination is absolutely horrific you ever mess around on madden and just like look through all all people's jerseys like back in the day like the browns had some like you could throw (laughs) (laughs) you like you could choose what jersey on top you wanted and what pants like so you could just throw the ugliest thing together like i i would have ugly showdowns like just two people those are the best (laughs) they're they're orange like the pumpkin bright orange top with just the brown bottoms would potentially be (laughs) the ugliest outside of like old timey Pittsburgh uh, bumblebee and old timey Brown or uh, Broncos Brown and yellow. Like the, what the Browns have with the, with the Brown and orange, that would be the worst. We're in the black shoes too. Oh gosh. It just, (laughs) well, That was a fantastic – I do like that. I'm hoping more teams are going to get um, uniform changes soon. Like, 
Kansas City, what are we doing? We got white and we got red. Let's pick something else up. Let's throw in we're, a yellow. We're classic. We're black. Yeah, I don't think they're switching off of that anytime and, soon. And uh, I just want to add real quick, um, this top five came as a request. Um, so please get those requests in there. Uh, hit up the show. Uh, I, Is that Mark? Maybe. <laughs> Might have been Jeffrey. We're not sure. Free shout out. Fra- free shout out to either Jeffrey or um, Mark. Or whoever you were. It could have been me as well. I don't remember. I sent a lot to Tybo. <laughs> Um, I'll digress at radio. Um, man, this this was a fantastic game for a number of reasons. Um, it was Mark. Thanks, Mark. Shout out, Mark. Done, Mark. What's that? <laughs> uh, I just closed it. <laughs> this guy, Mark. No, you know who you are. I'll text you later. Uh, either way, uh, this was a historic game for one of the all-time Chiefs players, but. Also, one of the all-time NFL players, just period. Travis Kelsey moves into top five for most yards in a career. He, um, at the time, I, I don't remember what he ended up with, and I'm not going to do math, uh, but he is above the 9,300 mark in only 131 games. Just to put that into perspective, though, the number one is former Chiefs great, now Atlanta Falcon great, Tony Gonzalez with 15,000 yards at 270 games. Is this just tight ends, though? or is It's this... just tight ends. Yeah. Okay, it's just yeah. tight ends. So I did the math on that, including the rest of this season. Travis Kelsey is going to have to play like an additional eight seasons to, to get as many games played, and that's without missing a game, to play as many games as Tony Gonzalez did. Another eight seasons. He, will be, he would be 41 by the time he retired if Jeez. he was to play another eight seasons. Probably, I think his birthday's in the middle of the season, so he'd be, 40, he'd be 42. Yeah, I don't he think gets he's to 270 that games. But, the good news is, is he's on track to break that you know, within the next couple of years, should he stick around? It's uh, he, he's averaging a thousand a season at just around nine thousand to start out. Uh, you know, six years, so he wouldn't have to break that forty mark if he just wanted to stick around to break that record. I don't like thinking about the end of Travis Kelsey's career, man. Hey, no. man, an additional six years. I'm gonna I'm shed a tear. Like, it's, it's hard <laughs> to think about. It's hard, but the good news is, is he's clearly going to be sticking around. He and and Jason's podcast, top tier, top tier content for sure. Um, And like he may leave Kansas City, I don't think he would, but he's going to be around, and he's not going to leave us like Tony G. Bastard. (laughs) Well, because we gave Travis a ring. (laughs) <laughs> well, Atlanta didn't I mean, give I, Tony one, but I he apparently I made his career that, as a but, Falcon. Oh man, you you just take. I mean, Tony I Tony says some things without thinking sometimes. All right, well, we got to give the man a break. He can think himself out of. He is in our, our ring of honor, honor for a reason. He can think okay? himself out of it. All right, get get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a really cool stat that also came up uh, from uh, the end of the game. Patrick Mahomes, uh, clearly one of the things that I talked about and why I picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win is because they had the number one defense. They only allowed nine points on average through three games, 27 total. We did that in a half, which is wild. But Patrick Mahomes versus the number one scoring defense 
He is six oh, and one. He is six and one against the number one scoring defenses in the league. His points per That's game. That's why is, I'll always pick the Chiefs, dude. Like at that, yeah. I didn't know this beforehand. We lose to the Colts. Oh, come on. Okay. Hey, he was five yeah, one but before like, this game. I don't know. You know. <laughs> uh, there's also uh, 31 points per game, 322 and a half yards uh, uh, on average or per game, and his touchdown to interception ratio is 15 to seven. Astronomical numbers. Yeah. Patrick numbers. Patrick Patrick numbers. I That's mean, all I can say about his numbers. And we know who's coming into town next. <laughs> We're ready for that. Boys, what did you make of our game versus Tampa Bay, and how does it make you feel moving forward? I thought it was amazing that we were rushing the ball so effectively. We switched it up completely. We went under center sometimes. We ran the ball effectively, and that opened up so much more for our offense. It kind of reminded me a little bit of it's not, it's not going to be the same as this team, but one of uh, the first years Patrick was playing against the Jaguars completely crushed the spirit of that defense. They were no longer the same ever again. Is it going to be the same for the Buccaneers? Probably not. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. Could you imagine <laughs> Patrick killing two all-time defenses? Yeah, and uh, I, I, the keys of the game last week, I totally forgot to say limiting turnovers and mistakes, just, you know, bonehead mental mistakes. Um, but that's what they did. You know, I mean, I'm, I really don't care a whole lot about Pat's interception near the end of the game, um, but no fumbles on special teams. Pacheco looked like he had, like, did some work that week. Um, as 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 far as the strategy of bringing it out of the end zone, um, so credit Dave Tube, um, but we played a near perfect game, you know, both sides of the ball. We didn't make we didn't make a lot of mistakes, no, not a whole lot of penalties. That you know, that's the type of game that this team is capable of at any point. We just you know, we got to make sure we're taking the opponent seriously, and obviously, everything that was said on social media and just the fact that we're playing Tom Brady, um, you know, we looked like we were ready. We didn't look like we were ready against the Colts. Yeah, that was the big thing. Obviously, Andy had come out after the Colts defeat and said that uh, we weren't prepared and we'd covered that with um, just being ill-prepared versus unprepared. And it clearly came in prepared, um, but it was a reverse to last week's uh, game against the Colts the Tampa Bay Buccaneers automatically start off on the wrong foot by fumbling the ball. Elijah Lee, who went from being cut, put on the practice, being on the practice or being on the active roster, being cut, being put back on the practice squad and then activated back onto the, to the active roster goes down the field and gets a fumble to start off the game so that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey could link up for like 27 yards of total offense in two plays uh, for a touchdown in 45 seconds. Uh, a wild week for Elijah Lee himself, uh, but a complete opposite from the week before where Sky Moore muffs the punt and the game starts on the back foot all over. Um, special teams was a big, big unit. One of the cool things this week, Sky Moore is getting a ton of touches 
He's getting back in. He had more targets this week than McColl has had through like two or three. Before we get too far away from it, just know all that stuff with Elijah Lee, like that's that's calculated. Like they know. Like Elijah Lee's not he's not surprised yes. by all the action of course. this week. Like he right. like you don't you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. And that man has stayed ready for us. Um and they're in communication with him about what's what's about to happen. For sure. So, yeah. No, that's it's not out of the blue that he's getting cut and re-signed. Like that is that is the the um thought process. Um and also good thing, uh, one thing to note is he can he they can't do that again. They've done it twice now. He's been cut and picked up off of after he's cleared waivers, which is one thing. He's clearing waivers. Um, so it's disheartening. They cannot activate him and cut him again. He will be gone. They can you can only cut a player three times and after adding them to the to the practice squad two previous times, they're they're out. You cannot, you either have to bring them back onto your active roster or they're done. They cannot go back onto the practice squad. So something to think about uh with our special teamers moving forward. Um but well, what do you once guys Harris, once Bunker's back, like you gotta think he's gonna keep that roster spot. Yeah. You would think so. Hopefully that's uh hopefully that's this week. We'll have to find out. Uh, but what are you guys making of um you, you look at the snap count and McColl Hardman's share of snaps has gone down over the last since week one. He started off uh with well over a fifty percent share and now he's almost at the forty mark while Sky Moore is consistently climbing up and got more targets, like I said, than than McColl over the last couple of weeks. Uh, granted, we were up by quite a bit, but what are we making of this? Are we gonna? Should we be expecting to see more of Sky Moore throughout the the season? Is he there to take some uh, to take some spots? I think he is there to take some spots, but I think it also is McCole dealing with a little bit of an injury. They want to keep him fresh for the whole entire year. They don't want to use him up right now, have him hurt, have him out for the year. They want to keep him fresh for when it actually matters in the playoffs. Because Sky Moore coming along. He's just a great addition piece to add in whenever down the road. Let him figure it out right now, then let them all come together at the very end of the year. Yeah, um, I, I feel like if they if they trusted Sky more a little bit more, you would see you would have you might have seen McColl be a healthy scratch or something like. Um, they're just easing him in right now, um, but I, I honestly would have liked to see McColl's snaps be lower than at forty percent. Um, because Sky Moore has shown, you know, crazy potential on offense, and McColl is just not as effective. When you know, it's it's his heel. Like I mean, he can't. It'd be hard to drive. It'd be hard to do make your cuts and stuff. Like he can't. You know, he's obviously not as effective when he's dealing with something like that. So I would have liked to see him sit a little bit more if he's still dealing with something that's nagging him. Um. But uh, I look for down the stretch, like uh, I hate calling them gadget plays, but like look for Sky Moore to be in on some trick plays, misdirection, you know, jet sweeps, you know, certain certain types of plays like that that, you know, come at a time to take the pressure off the offense, um, you know, down the road where, where games get a little bit harder and a little bit more competitive. Um, the playoffs are looming. Um, look for him to get us out of, you know, some situations to take the pressure off us um, because he's, he's somebody that can, that can make a, make a play that changes the game um, just off his skill and speed. 
Um, he's the, he's that type of guy. So, but they're just they're just easing him in right now. What do we what do we make of McColl's situation? Um, clearly, seems to have lost the trust of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's out on the field, but he's not getting targeted. He's not getting open. Obviously, there is the little bit of a nagging injury issue, but in a contract year, you would feel that uh, a player of, uh, of his caliber or believed caliber would be executing um, or at least be garnishing some sort of target share, and that's just not happening. I'm not buying into the chemistry issue. Uh, it's... Um, these there's been there's been plays that are like specific like already in the season that were specifically drawn up for McColl. Um, you know, I don't I don't think McColl has a tracking issue. I don't think it's a chemistry issue. Like it's just been it's just been a rough go. Like you know he he could have had one or two touchdowns in the Arizona game. He had decent production um, in the Chargers game. But that's where he picked up the injury, and the heel obviously affected him in the Colts game. Um, so, but I, I mean, once I mean, when McColl is is back, when McColl is back to being McColl, I don't think, you know. But at the same time, defenses are good, and we have a lot of weapons. Like, you know, McColl's McColl needs to get healthy, healthy, so he can continue to be one of those weapons. But I, it'll be all right. Like Pat likes. McCole Hardman. There's no doubt about that. McCole. McCole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, McCole was also wide open for a touchdown at one point during the game. Pat just didn't see him. He's getting open, at least at some points. They're scheming him open for some things, but the way the play unravels and who Pat sees first sometimes is not always him, so just give it time. Pat has way too many weapons out there, so he's not going to get it every week. It is a lot, and there's rumors out there going on. We'll, we'll get into this later as, as it comes forward. But uh, there's apparently rumors of um, five teams uh, that OBJ would like to go to, and the Chiefs have made that top five list. I I wouldn't mind it. I don't even care. Throw them in there. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind it either, but, but we're, one, we're always in those conversations. One, one point I want to make uh, against uh, number 17 on our team is Travis Kelsey is a much bigger guy stature. So it's it's very – when when Travis is getting open like he was against Tampa Bay, it's hard to miss him. So, you know, that's another reason that Ian McColl's a smaller guy. All right? I'm more smaller. Cut him a break. I mean – Maybe you get good, McColl. Think, think, the, uh, think the contract year is going to go defeated again. We'll go back to the game here. The defense looked also just as good. Uh, uh, holding the Bucks, uh running backs, or all rushing, to just three yards. Lombardi, Lenny, three carries, negative three yards. Uh, three yards total uh, ties the franchise record from, I believe, 19... Uh, if I heard it, it was like 1952 or something like that uh, in a game against the then San Diego Chargers, where we only allowed three rushing yards uh, back then. Abs- absolutely wild. Um, I was following something on Twitter that, that a guy that like looks in our record books. Um, I thought something in like the eighties, maybe we we held Tennessee to 
three yards rushing. Be, be interesting if we've got multiple games with just three yards. I mean, that is that would be wild. I don't know. I was listening to the radio this, on 610 and they were talking about it. Yeah. This game went the way I thought the Chargers game was going to go. Like mm-hmm. we jump out early and Tom Brady or Justin Herbert, at, you know, for the Chargers um, would have had to throw the whole time that they abandoned the run game pretty early. Um, they did not let Lenny get going, um, but our our defense was flying around. So Tom had to throw, and he threw over fifty times. So you can't have an old man throwing that much best at that time. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna tear his rotator cuff, and he's, he's already way got too a noodle tired. Arm. <laughs> um, but I haven't seen the numbers on pressures. I've been trying to look this up. I didn't feel like we. hit Tom Brady enough although the pressure was obviously there he was uncomfortable and moving in the pocket uh for as bad as the offensive that offensive line has been touching Tom Brady in any way mm, mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Tom's MO though I yeah mean, like he, he knows how out. to get the ball out he gets the ball out but he has been hit I think more often for, by for other knowing... teams with a defensive line that quite frankly, probably isn't as good as Kansas city, especially with Chris Jones. Um, I feel like we're, we're slacking again. Like this is, this is reverting back Uh, to last year when we played critical, we played dude. He spun out of, he spun out of a DB's arms. I I understand it's critical. I'm looking at it. it, It's small things, but again, like this is just a reminder of some of the things that, that happened last year. We played fantastic. I'm not taking anything away from that, but (laughs) you are, you know, this defensive line, while the defensive line struggles, the DBs and the linebackers get to run everything. Like, if we can get all phases clicking, there's nobody stopping that defensive line, especially if we get a pass rush. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We know we know who we have in Chris Jones, but everybody else, like, nobody's proven. Like, Frank Clark had a better year in Seattle than he, than he did um, in our Super Bowl run. Like, Frank Clark is the closest, but still nobody, nobody else outside of Chris Jones is proven. Like we, we understand our situation. Like I'm, I'm thrilled to be seeing the level of play out of our secondary mm-hmm. um, to, you know, our, I didn't think our defense was going to be this good. Not, not a chance. How about Legereus Sneed with his third sack of the year? I believe I saw it somewhere on Twitter earlier. He has the top three or three of the top five fastest sacks this year. I think I think it's two. Two. Okay. He's got two of them. Yeah. But, but just to have that, him coming Tom, off the edge like that. Tom nearly ended up with hand foot <laughs> mouth syndrome. <laughs> him, uh, in the, I mean, he's a he's a wizard of the slot cornerback position right now. Um, still anticipating the return of Trent McDuffie because that, I mean, we'll just be complete. I feel like at that point, yeah, but really gay. Yeah. LJ is, is bringing the attitude that Tyron Matthew brought here. You know, he's, he's that type of leader on the defense right now. I mean, he's not necessarily making the same type of plays, um, but like just the attitude, the swagger, like that's how he's playing for us right now. Would it be too much to liken LJ 
to the likes of Bernard Pollard? No. Mm -hmm. I mean, no. I mean, yes, it would be too much because I think LJ is better than Bernard Pollard and and Bernard was a safety. So not enough. I, I see. I'm, I've, you know, I've been an LJ fan since since we drafted him. I thought he showed out as a rookie. Um, his pick against Devontae Adams last year, um, you know, helped us seal that game. Um, I'm an LJ fan for sure. <laughs> I think I meant that more in like the physicality side. Today, you don't see DBs who are willing to hit. Look at Jalen Ramsey, who won't hit anybody, or. Marcus Peters, who literally runs away from tackling somebody. And then you get a guy like Legereus Sneed, who, as a DB, lives to go and lay the hit. I mean, uh, that goes back I, to a, a size. I mean, I know I'm bringing up another safety, but like size and the way he tackles, like maybe like Bob Sanders. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't. Maybe I haven't paid attention to the DB position like enough in my lifetime, but like I don't know someone who's played in the the, the slot corner like this, like the way he has. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not thinking of any names, but you know, it, it, he like I said, I feel like he's, you know, he's attacking plays like Tyron Matthew did a couple years ago with us. Like makes sense. Let us know down in the comments below or add us on Twitter at Bob and Bo Show who Legereus Sneed and his physical play remind you of as a corner, uh, not just a safety. Let us know some names. We want to hear from you. Speaking of a hard-hitting secondary player, how about that hit Juan Thornhill had on Mike Evans? Ooh. Oh, man. He... Completely legal. Like, I yeah. mean. What if he caught the ball? Would it be a hit against a defensive receiver then? Like. No. Is that what the call was? I was waiting to hear from it, and then something happened. I, it was a defenseless I, receiver. The call, I, I, I think I remember being called a personal foul or something like that. That's what I thought it was. Unsportsmanlike conduct. I don't yeah, okay, so it wasn't – okay, so unsportsmanlike conduct is a defenseless receiver, except he was completely defended because you saw his head come down and you saw him cover himself up. And so there were all indications that he was not an – that that he was a completely. Do they just want him to hug him at that point? Like he led like, with the shoulder, hit him like, with the chest. Like didn't hit him in the head. Like perfectly fine play. Uh, I don't think there's anybody in the league that disagrees with that. And unless you're a Tampa fan, which you should disagree with us, because I would disagree with you if it were vice versa. Um, it was. Be- I mean, it wasn't for the game. I understand Tom's trying to get a TD at that point, but. Uh, I don't I don't agree with that ball placement like it 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 transfers to rugby like you we call it a hospital pass if you throw it you know at their face when they have somebody coming at them they just you're leaving their ribs wide open like mm-hmm. There was an interview of Tom Brady, Mike Evans, uh, Leonard Fournette. I think there was somebody else in there earlier. I believe it was this season. Uh, if not, uh, it was last season uh, because they were in Tampa Bay. Uh, it was right before the season kicked off. And they were asking Tom how he feels about the NFL and the way that they're they're um, uh, calling plays and penalties. And one of the things that he had mentioned was that he feels that the NFL and the rules and the referees are dumbing down the game and making the penalties uh, a fault of the defensive player while it's actually the offensive player's fault. The quarterback, if 
getting his uh, a receiver uh, into a situation much like that where his player can um, be called a, a defenseless receiver, uh, that's the quarterback's fault because he shouldn't have been putting it in that area because it's the quarterback's job to make sure, one, that he can make a play, number two, that he keeps his guys safe. Um, and so I, I hearken back to that. I thought it was pretty funny. I saw a couple tweets about it. Um, what do you guys feel like it obviously in this specific situation and there are more to it, but like there has to be a happy medium between what we saw on Sunday with that play being totally an egregious call that shouldn't have been thrown and then go back to Thursday and the Thursday before that with Tua or this uh, Sunday before that with Tua, like there's gotta be some sort of middle ground between the NFL making rules uh, for all sorts of different issues. Well, there's been, there's been this hot button phrase out there, like the eye test, you know, judging certain things, um, whether it be evaluating like a player's skill or looking at dirty plays and like trying to judge intention. Like there's, there's this thing out there that everybody's been talking about. It's like, it's got to pass the eye test. So you got to break that down even further. And like, what are you looking for in that eye test? Like, is it a, a hit to the head? Is there like excessive force? Did somebody get driven into the ground unnecessarily? Like there's, there's some obvious criteria um, that I feel like we should be able to come up with so that there's not just so much discrepancy and subjectiveness with these, with these calls. Um, it's frustrating as a fan, honestly. Yeah, and football is a violent sport. You're going to see some hard hits no matter what. That's what makes it even tougher to really judge these. But like Tabo said, there are certain things that you see that, you, that just pop out. And whenever they always slow it down, it always looks worse in slow motion. But, I mean, you can't, you can't throw a penalty judging off whether a player is getting hurt or not. But, like, Mike was fine. Like, this was a clean hit. Like I said before, it wasn't a hit to the head. I don't know how much more legal you want Juan to be in that situation. He's just playing football. Like um, there's, there's an example that I'm, I'm thinking of. Maybe it was Jordy Nelson, but there was a, a Packers receiver that was like coming back for a ball and he was already like down on his knees and somebody just came in and like knocked the, I mean, cleaned his clock right to like shoulder to the face. And, you know, I understand you're trying to break up a completion, but like that's one of those that's kind of like obviously unnecessary and you just hit a guy that's completely defenseless. So yeah. you think that there's that there can be a, a, a happy medium found either by the NFL or by the players themselves and still keep I get what people would call integrity of the game. Feel like there has to be you just got to put a little bit of effort in finding it but we we just see a whole lot of like i said discrepancy and subjectiveness like it certain points to certain fans it's going to feel like the refs are just controlling the game so yeah sadly but that's also where everything starts to make more money and more drama and people pay attention and you get your clicks and the NFL is king in that as they start to take over pretty much every category uh, possible, uh, especially now with Amazon partnering up. Um, was What are some of your takeaways 
offensively and defensively from this win against Tampa? Offensively, running the ball. Said it at the beginning of the show, but running the ball helps our offense so much more. We can do so many more things when we run the ball effectively. And look at Pacheco run, man. He was running like he's trying to take a grown man's job. He was running with force. Like that is the perfect compliment to Clyde. Clyde is not a forceful, as forceful of a runner as Pacheco is. And just to have somebody come in and run that aggressive, that's what we need. I feel like the big bruising running back is something that we've needed for a long time just to really uh, set defenses straight. Passing the ball around, they Pat does it better than anyone else. He's set uh, fast 20,000 passing yards in four games less than, was it Matt Stafford? I think so. Thought so too. And just the plays he puts out there, he he's putting out highlight plays every time he plays. Not even touchdowns. The one where he's almost getting dragged down, just flicks it out to Juju on the side. Thought that was surely. I thought he was going to let that ball go before the guy got there, but he just had to add a little bit of spice to it. (laughs) Man, but like you know, that's what we know the off this offense is capable of. You know, we just I don't know what it is on those days where we just don't have it clicking, but. You know, this is the team that we see in the playoffs. This is the offense that we see in the playoffs for the Chiefs. And it's always it's always been in the back of my mind. I'm not worried about this team. Um, I would say, um, you know, running back competition um, is going to be a real thing for this team down the stretch. Um, Clyde's decision-making is still a little bit in question. Um, he's – I like him. I think he's great in this offense, especially the way Pat wants to use him. Um, but it's nice to see a running back like Pacheco just like, I know where I'm going. I have, I'm putting my head down and I'm getting there. You know, Clyde has a, a, a good low center of gravity. Like he has great ability when he's running the ball, but like his decision making is definitely still in question. And it's, it's refreshing to see a running back like Pacheco just put his head down and get there. Um, for me, like, uh, yes, we've seen, this is the offense that we know. This is the offense that we know. This is the defense that we're going to come to love. And it's going to be here for a long time with or without spags, hopefully without, um, uh, the, uh, like, this is the offense we're going to come to know. And, and it can only get better from here. As we said, against the Colts, that was rock bottom man. um, now the one thing that I'll be want to be that I want to be looking for is um, like how can we maintain this? How far are we going to fall? Like consistency if we drop it all. Like how often can we continue this type of form throughout the rest of the season? We saw in week one we've done really really we can do this. We saw in week four we can do this. We saw in week two and week three like. Offense is slipping a little bit. There's our consistency issues. Can we ride the, this wave that we had out and can it can it stick there? I'll be excited to see that as we go throughout the season because it is going to be rocky. We've got we've got some good teams coming up to play against, and it's going to be pretty fun. Um, as we start to land this plane, there are a few more things out there. Number one, um, 
what what are our thoughts on Orlando Brown? Obviously, I was a big proponent and very happy that or he came decided to come back. I wanted to sign him through four games. He's given up 13 pressures while the rest of the offensive line, that's four other players, have given up only 10 more in 23. Uh, it, it's been a really poor outing from him now. Four weeks, he doesn't lose you a contract. It also doesn't make you a contract. Does Orlando Brown turn it around like he did last year, or is he going to leave $20 million on the table? He's definitely going to turn it around like last year. Uh, he missed most of the preseason or OTAs and all that stuff. Came back during the preseason, finally got it together then. Dealing with a nagging injury right now. Just give him some time. He'll come around. I, I'm not going to call his performance poor through four weeks. I, I in, in The Colts game was poor, but you got to realize the left tackle is is usually facing the team's premier pass rusher mm-hmm. on the other side of the ball. Um, Orlando Brown still does great in the run game. Um, but, I mean, he's if he keeps this level of play up, he's not going to get the contract that he originally wanted, I don't feel like. But, you know, uh, I think somebody um, – I saw somebody on Twitter say – do we think Orlando Brown's going to be the left tackle of the future? You know, who knows? But I feel like the way it's looking right now, we might be using a draft pick on a left tackle, you know, next year. So there's only three spots cemented in that offensive line right now. I, I feel pretty good about Wiley, too. I, I, I'm I good say, about Wiley, but I don't think it's cemented. Not yeah. by any means. Not with really? Niang, who's coming back off of off of injury. I don't think it's cemented by any means. I, I think I think Wiley would have to go down for us to see Niang. I really do. Well, we've seen. It I don't. Happen. You can't. You He's can't had to take... go out for a couple plays so far. That's, if Niang I mean, was that's... in, he could have. You don't, you know, you don't know. We, you don't know. Hopefully, we're not hoping for injuries, but there has been possibility for Niang to come in. Um, but I, I agree. I, for the mo- at least for the season. And yeah. After that, it'll have to the, be revisited. the way he's playing right now. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe not up there with the best of the best, but like he's top, he's top ten right now. He's yeah. very he's serviceable in that position, and he can move across the front. He's, he's good to keep regardless. Um. Is there anything that I missed uh, so far from the game versus Tampa that you guys wanted to talk about? I had one wild stat from Patrick's scramble touchdown. Wild to stats. Wild stat here. This was Patrick's, I believe it was his fourth or fifth touchdown where he scrambled more than 30 yards into a touchdown. There's only been one other player that's had one since 2018. Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. I believe there's only been other, one other one where they scrambled 30 plus yards into a touchdown. Uh, that's what I was asking. I don't, I, I didn't see it. Just, they were just focused on Patrick on that one. So <laughs> he didn't get it. Honestly, you rush. know, those are some of his highlight plays, but like, I don't like seeing him having to scramble 30 yards no. <laughs> on a play no. to score a touchdown. That was a little spin move jump shot. Touchdown. He's not going to be able to, he's not going to be able to keep that up into his 30s, man. <laughs> he's gonna get smacked one time in this thing. He's already he's already not like fast fast. Like <laughs> he's sneaky fast. He's not fast fast. You know what we mean. 
Uh, well, listen, folks, uh, it was a fantastic game. Again, the Chiefs beat the Buccaneers 41-31. to 31. The score does not in- indicate how much of an ass-whooping that was. Um, I had the closest in. score in the prediction, by the way. Did you? What was I your did. prediction again? 31-28. Yeah, you did. We moved from one primetime game to another primetime game. We do not play again until Monday on ESPN. And let me tell you what, folks, it's Fader Week. We don't say Raider around here. It's Fader. All right. Just like we call them the Commies. said Raider. Nope. Nope. It's Commies (laughs) and Faders. All right. I didn't say it. You said it. (laughs) I was happy to see them uh, beat the Broncos. So I'm tired of Russell. Yeah. It'll be nice to, you know. Have, it's nice to have the number one seed so far locked up in the division. Hopefully we can keep it moving. I'll leave you guys with this stat right here as uh, as we hop out of here. Heading into week five, fader week, without Tyreek Hill, the Kansas City Chiefs have the league's number two offense. Let's keep it rolling. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.